Geek Nerdery. Player one, press start to play. This Nintendo action set with control deck, two controllers, zapper gun, and two game cartridge, only $99.99. The action continues with a Nintendo Game Boy system that puts the power in the palm of your hand, just $89.99. I'm on a roll! I hate when this happens! Nice legs! The Great Toy Takeover at Target. Hello everyone, welcome to episode number 40 of Graveyard Duck Podcast. With you, as always, my name is Scott. And I'm Wes. Oh man, forty episodes feels like uh, doesn't doesn't feel like it's been forty yet. I mean, no, kind of one of those weird things where on the one hand I feel like we just started, and then on the other hand I feel like we should be like way past forty at this point. But I mean, we've we've had anniversaries come, we've had birthdays. It's 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 a it's a part of me now. (laughs) Well, you know, I mean, it's for better or worse. I guess we're still here, but you know, uh, it doesn't feel like we've done forty episodes. You know, but then again, kind of like the life of a, a game console, you know, sometimes when you're like two to three years into a, a console's life, sometimes it doesn't feel that way. You know, kind of like when we're doing these uh, retrospectives, it's like, you know, we're at 1990 now for the NES. And it's like, you know, there's only like a couple more years before the system kind of goes away. And it doesn't really feel like that. Right. Well, and as I was looking through the list of games to talk about, this week, I realized, like, oh, wait, we've already done this as an episode. We've done this as an episode. We've done this as an episode. So, too, like, well, we picked a lot of 1990 stuff so far. Uh, so, yeah, we, we've kind of made our made our rounds through it so far. So, yeah, I guess I guess 40 does feel about right. But mm-hmm. anyway, we're not here to talk about the past in terms of our show. We're talking about the past of the NES. Is that right? Uh, as far as I know, at least for now. Yeah, so we're still kind of continuing our odyssey through the life of the NES. Uh, bear with us if this is not your thing. Obviously, there's only a few more years left, but uh, we're kind of enjoying it, and it's a, it's a fun little look back at the system that I know we all know and love, maybe most of our favorites. I don't know. It's, it, it's up there, but we'll talk about some of the history there, too. Um, so, yeah, we've kind of just been taking it one year at a time and looking at every game that, that came out and kind of tried to sift through and you know obviously there's the big ones that we all knew and love we talk a little bit about that but mostly we're trying to spotlight some of those hidden gems or under appreciated games from the year that you know you and i may have rented or picked up at a friend's house and decided that it needs some attention and some love so Mm. that's kind of what we're going for here but um before we get too far into it i would say you know let's just talk about kind of what 1990 was as far as, you know, the NES and Nintendo was concerned. Um, Looking at it purely from an NES perspective, this was a big year for the system. Uh, I think the total number of games that came out this year was somewhere around like 170, uh, maybe even close to 200, depending on which list you look at. And I mean, that's, that's a ton of product getting pumped out. Oh yeah. I mean, that's, that's new games every month. You know, there, there was not a time I, I couldn't remember that walking into a rental store or like a KB Toys or Toys R Us and just seeing games that, you know, that I only saw on like Nintendo Power maybe a month before and thinking like, oh my gosh, like that's out already? Like, you know, or you go to the rental store and like there's tons of new games out there. Right. Yeah. And at a rate of, you know, a dozen or two dozen every single month, like it's... It's ridiculous. Now, a lot of these are third-party games that, you know, even to this day, I've never actually seen a physical cartridge of ever. So hmm. it wasn't that all 170 of these were sitting on a shelf somewhere, but, no, you know, that's no. just lots of options. And I think that this is where we really started to break out and you started to notice that 
different friends had different game libraries and maybe there was no overlap. And whereas I think some of the, you know, late years of the eighties, um, there, there were the staples that like everybody kind of owned. And I think that by now we kind of started to see a little bit more variety. Um, that's not to say that there weren't the you know huge heavy hitters that came out this year. Uh, going through the list, I picked out about a dozen that I would say are the really big names that if if nothing else, this might kind of ground you into what 1990 was like for the NES. So you know we were seeing games like A Boy and His Blob, Double Dragon 2, River City Ransom, uh, Batman came out this year, Super Mario Brothers 3, which you know blew everybody away. Super C, Final Fantasy, Ninja Gaiden 2, Crystallis, Castlevania 3, Little Nemo, Dr. Mario, Mario 3, or Mega Man 3, and Star Tropics were yeah. kind of the list that I ran through. And you know, when you when you think about what those games are and to think that those all came out in the same year, like there are some majorly, majorly heavy games in that list. Yeah. Yeah, I went through and uh I I picked out probably I don't know, 20 or so games just from this year that I remember liking and enjoying quite a bit too. And just, you know, throughout the years would kind of get to them, but um, you know, things like Abadox, um, Adventures in Magic Kingdom. I rented that a couple of times, really enjoyed it. Uh, obviously Batman, Castlevania three was big this year. And I've got kind of a funny story about that. Like um, the only time that I played Castlevania three, like when it came out, it wasn't until like much later that I bought the game. But I, it's so weird. So I remember, like, we went to visit my grandparents um, in town one night, and there was a video store, uh, the Short Line, which was like a block away. And so sometimes, like, we'd go and we visit, and it, it, we'd go at like usually like five or six o'clock at night, you know, something like that, which still light out. So I would usually, you know, after we first got there, I'd walk over to the Short Line and just see, you know, maybe think about renting a game or something because it was like three bucks to rent a game for a night or whatever. So I went over there one night and um, they had Castlevania 3. And that was the first time I remember seeing it like on the shelf, I'm like, oh my God, they have Castlevania 3. Like I have to rent this right now. So um, I had to go back. I didn't have any money on me. I had to go back and try to like convince my parents to, to give me $3 so I could rent this game, right? So we end up, I rent the game. We end up staying later and visiting my grandparents kind of late that night. So by the time I get home, I didn't have time to play it because I had to go to bed, you know, get ready for school the next day. This is, this would have been probably when I was in about sixth grade. And I was also in jazz band at the time. So we had um, early morning jazz band practice. Like usually I think it was on like Thursday mornings. So I remember like specifically, I remember waking up like super early, or at least I was going to wake up super early the next day and start playing Castlevania three before I had to get to jazz band, get to school. And I played the first level. It's like, oh my God, this is amazing. Like the, the music is so good. Like the gameplay is really good. It feels like the first game. And I remember like getting to the clock tower. And as soon as like I got in the clock tower and the music started and my mom's like, let's go. We have to go to school. And it's like, oh man, you know, well, by the time um, that I got home from school and everything, we had to take the game back. So we, you know, didn't get a late fee. So like that's what I remember playing of it at first. And then it wasn't until later on that, you know, that I found a copy a little bit cheaper and actually bought it. But um, it's just weird that, you know, some of these little stories that you remember sometimes, but yeah, little bits of nostalgia, but, uh, uh, but yeah, other games that I liked in that year, um, Codename Viper was really good, um, which is kind of a rolling thunder style game. Deja Vu, obviously we covered that in the episode. Double Dragon 2 is fantastic. Dr. Mario. Um, Dragon Spirit, which I didn't play till much later, but um, it's an overhead shoot 'em up, and it's also on the Turbo Graphics. But I kind of prefer the NES version; um, it's really good. Obviously, you've got Dragon Warrior Two, you got Final Fantasy this year, uh, Gauntlet Two, uh, another one that is one of my favorites. That's a super hard game, but um, it's on PC and NES and Genesis. Is the Immortal? Mm, and yeah. um, maybe we'll do an episode on that sometime because it's such a I don't know. It's such a cool game because it's such like an old school D and D style game where it's like super hard and unfair. <laughs> you know? um, I don't know. It's just it's it's cool. Um, Journey to Silius. Um, I will probably do an episode on that eventually because that's a really good game. Uh, Low G Man was one that I kind of liked, even though it was kind of kind of crappy. But it, once you got the hang of it, it was actually kind of fun. 
uh, obviously Maniac Mansion, Mega Man 3, Mission Impossible. I owned that um, much later. That was like a $10 game, $10, $15 game, like years later. And it's actually pretty good. Uh, we got Ninja Gaiden 2, we got Pinbot, Rescue the Embassy Mission was a fun one, River City Ransom, Shadow of the Ninja, Snakes Revenge, uh, Solar Jetman, Super C, obviously Super Mario 3 and TMNT 2 are all games that, that I remember, you know, looking back fondly in 1990. So it's interesting, the list that you came up with and the one I came up with, I feel like we have two different, you know, styles of games because a lot of the games that you mentioned on your list, I haven't played. I mean, I know of them, but I haven't really sat down and actually played them. So, Hmm. uh, you know, so I don't know. It's just kind of interesting how that shakes out. Yeah. And, you know, for me, as far as the nostalgia of this year, so if you've been following along with our kind of history, I didn't get my NES until Christmas of 89. So when 1990 hit, I had owned the system for a you know whole seven days, um, okay. and at you know at that point in my life, I was eight years old, and um, you know as we've said many times, like this is back when you only got two maybe three games a year if you were really lucky, mm. and I I honestly can't remember well enough to know what else I got, but I don't think I got anything else with it in '89 for Christmas. Uh, other than the Mario Duck Hunt. Um, But my birthday in April, I very, very vividly remember getting Mega Man 2 from my grandma. Um, And then thinking through some of the other like big titles that I would have had very, very early, uh, sometime throughout that year, maybe for Christmas of 90, I got would have gotten The Legend of Zelda. And I distinctly remember going out in late summer, early fall, and going to uh, electronic boutique and buying Ninja Gaiden. Um, so most of what I was collecting, at least at this point, was the essentials. You know, those kind of staples that uh, I had been playing at friends' houses, but I didn't own yet. So it's like, okay, what are the the most important games I have to have? And yeah. for me, that all comes down to you know Mega Man's, Castlevanias, and Zeldas. So in Ninja Gaiden, I was you know huge into that trilogy when i was a kid so the you know mega man mega man 2 zelda zelda 2 um ninja gaiden and i'm guessing simon's quest would have been in there pretty early on uh were probably the games that i was picking up around this time however those were the ones that i was you know buying or getting for christmas and birthday presents but this is when you know i i don't know how often you rented games you've you've told you know, stories about doing it in the past, but like that was an almost every weekend thing for me. Yeah. And Same here. you know, I, I just loved doing it. And so to go to the video store and see all these games, you know, that were showing up on the shelves, a lot of it was, yeah, I was going to rent the games from 87, 88, 89 that I had already been playing and fallen in love with. But also I was picking up some of these new ones that I hadn't played yet or that my friends didn't own. And it was completely new to me. And so that's where a lot of my nostalgia for this year came from was those random shelf rentals. Um, Maybe it was inspired by a Nintendo Power um, article that I saw, which I didn't have a subscription to yet, but I picked up back issues here and there at, you know, Woolworths or the grocery store. Um, So the rentals was where I was getting a lot of, you know, my picks and the list that I can specifically say, I remember playing a lot of back then was, Boy and His Blob, Batman, Ninja Gaiden 2. Uh, we talked about Arkista's Ring on a mm-hmm. previous episode, but this is back when I was renting that a lot. Chippendale's Rescue Rangers. Uh, Kickle Cubicle was another oh, one yeah. I rented many, many times. Yeah, I didn't play that one until more recently, but that's a really fun game. Little Nemo I rented constantly. Star Tropics I rented constantly. And Turtles 2, I think, was another one that I got as a christmas or birthday present because i remember the pizza hut coupons Um, that's right but um yeah those were the ones that i was really really playing you know from the rentals you know and then obviously my mega man 2 and legend of zelda that i owned at home but um yeah so i I was kind of playing catch up for a lot of it but um you know it's just it's slow going building up a collection when you're eight oh yeah well it's it's funny that you kind of mentioned that too because the way that you kind of laid out like the games that that you owned and you rented it, it made me think you know some of the the main big staple games i really i didn't own until much later because uh you know i 
I rented a lot of games, but outside of a couple of heavy hitters like Batman and stuff like that, um, I didn't own Ninja Gaiden. I mean, I had Zelda 2, but I didn't have the first one until much later and like some weird stuff like that. But I had a lot of cheaper games. And just looking back at like just some of the ones like Mission Impossible and like Platoon and like earlier episodes and stuff like that, where it's like, you know, I don't know. It's like I remember spending like allowance at like KB Toys for like cheaper games just because like that was more accessible. Yeah. How do you think I get Captain Skyhawk? Right. Exactly. I mean, you know, that was like either five or ten dollars brand new. It, it was a decent game, you know, um, and even like. I can remember even like in high school, like, you know, years later, like um, going around to like different video stores and trying to see like what games they had, you know, on, for sale at that point. Cause that was when you would start to see a lot of video stores selling off their, um, their games that weren't renting very much, you know? And so that was another source of finding, you know, more affordable games. Yep. Yeah. Rent- before, but before there was a GameStop and before electronic boutiques sold used games, uh, I would go to the video stores and ask if they would be willing to sell any of their cartridges. Yep. And it was rare, but occasionally you'd get somebody that would say, you know, yeah, sure. Why not? And mm-hmm. maybe for 10, 15 bucks, you could score a copy of something. I think that's how I got double dragon. Um, oh, wow. nice. So I, got, um, I was uh, in high school. I was dating this, this girl that lived in um, a town probably about, it's about 15 minutes from Peoria. So it was like, a, it was a long drive, you know, from where I was. And it, she was, she was an awful girlfriend, but I mean, it's just <laughs> like, it, she just, you know, it was one of those things that was like, um, I, I was kind of in it for the wrong reasons kind of thing. Like she just wasn't a very nice person whatever. So, but I do remember like the couple of times that, that going over, you know, to her house and stuff, there was a video store. Um, it was called like video world or something like that. And I stopped in there one night and um, I bought uh, Chiller. It was like 10 bucks or something like that. It's like really awful. <laughs> you paid too much. <laughs> well, see, that's the problem. I was like, yeah, I did. I paid like 10 bucks for it. I'm like, this is terrible. This is an awful game. But had I held on to that for, you know, however many years, having the box and everything, I mean, it's it, it's super rare now. It goes for a lot of money. It was like, man, that sucks. Like, I should have held on to that. Like, I don't know. It's weird, you know. Yeah what you think of stuff like that but um yeah the only other real quick nostalgia story that i'll tell from 1990 is uh so beyond the memory of picking up uh mega man or getting mega man 2 as a present i also very strongly remember having a conversation with a friend of mine who we were part of this same uh organization so we saw each other once a week and he was a big gamer too and like both of us were obsessed with the Mega Man franchise. Mm-hmm. And I remember being kids and thinking about like, like it was the, the time we heard the rumor that Mega Man three was coming out. So this would have been like, I think late summer of 1990. Cause that came out in November. Mm-hmm. Um, and as soon as we started hearing the rumors about there's going to be a Mega Man three, our entire lives just re- revolved around speculating on what the robot masters were going to be. Right. And, it was just two kids, you know, being as nerdy as you could possibly be, thinking about what it what they could possibly be. And I don't remember any of the things that we came up with other than I was, you know, one hundred percent certain there's gotta be a laser man. And you know, we got Gemini man, so close enough. But you know, that's that's the first time in my life that I remember being avidly excited and anticipating a game coming out mm. and you know then when it finally did it took forever for me to finally find a rental copy and i don't i think it might have been years later before i actually owned the game but um yeah just that months and months of anticipation and build up and excitement and how you basically just lived and breathed this game that wasn't even out yet but mm-hmm. oh, no i i completely understand that i mean looking through any any gaming magazine back then looking at screenshots and just not only imagining what the game was going to look like but what it would sound like mm-hmm. you know i mean it's just we've talked about that before on the show but it's just i totally understand that yeah so, so that's where i was in 1990 uh later on that year it was for christmas of 90 i got my game boy uh mm-hmm. so that kind of distracted me a little bit you know, for yeah. 
next episode, I think. But um, yeah, I was still 100% live and breathe, die by the uh, NES. So you, you kind of prepared some notes you said about some other things that were going on this year to kind of timestamp us bit. and let us know where we were. So yeah, yeah, I wanted to get into that just a little bit and kind of paint a little bit of a picture as to what what else was going on because we were starting to to transition into um, you know a lot more systems on the market and. I probably talked about this before on the show, but um, you know, at this point, you had uh, the Turbo Graphics was out. Um, I remember playing a little bit of Keith Courage at uh, Children's Palace. That was like the only time I ever played the Turbo Graphics. But then um, there was also, you know, the Genesis came out at that point, and so then you had the the big ad campaign with Genesis does what Nintendo. Yep. And uh, you know, sort of the high quality arcade stuff versus the the workhorse NES, you know, so to speak, but, um, but yeah, I just wanted to, I just pulled up kind of a list on uh, Wikipedia, just a uh, 1990 in video gaming, just to kind of talk about a few things. And, you know, I was, I was playing NES stuff. I didn't have a Genesis or a Turbo. Um, I had a Lynx and I had a Game Boy, but I was also playing some PC stuff, you know, whether it be at school, like after school or um, stuff like that. But, I played some adventure games and some computer games too, but um, what I want to do is just kind of talk about a couple of the other things that were happening in 1990. Obviously, um, yeah, Bonk's Adventure is released on the TurboGrafx-16, and so that was kind of a, a shift for them as far as a mascot character. Um, obviously, in uh, North America, February 12th, Super Mario Brothers 3 comes out, selling about 17 million copies. And you know, huge, huge. I mean, huge. remembers the the commercials, you know, with the everybody making the the Mario face on the, you know, on the edge of the globe, you know. So yeah. long uh, before computer graphics, so we thought people really did that. Right, right. Yeah. <laughs> you know, um, in April you've got uh, Konami releasing Snake's Revenge, uh, which is kind of a sequel to, at the time, what we thought was just a sequel to Metal Gear, and it wasn't until later that we learned that. It really had nothing to do with the original games, but I enjoyed it nonetheless. Um, in arcades in April, you've got Smash TV. Um, oh, so game. much love for that game. Yeah, yeah. Um, so you're starting to see, especially at this time now, you're starting to see a, a big shift in the graphics in arcade games and other consoles versus what the NES can do. Uh, you know, uh, Now, on the PC side, in uh, June, um, Ultima 6, The False Prophet, is released. Um, in July, Final Fantasy comes out for the NES. Uh, Dr. Mario comes out in July. Pit Fighter is released in the arcades in August, which um, some people might think it's a terrible game. I've got a ton of nostalgia for playing Pit Fighter back in the day, like at arcades. So uh, It was revolutionary, though. So Yeah, I mean, digitized graphics, and, you know, it was, just, it was like kind of a brutal fighting game at the time, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you got the first Wing Commander game in September. Uh, September 28th, uh, Mega Man 3. Uh, November, we have King's Quest V on PC. Hell yeah, yeah. Which I didn't, I wouldn't play that one until much later. But I had the NES one uh, a couple years later. I bought that one when it was cheap. Absence makes uh, the heart go yonder, right? Um, you've got uh, in October, you've got Lucas Arts uh, releasing Secret of Monkey Island, which is a classic. Um, then in November, then in Japan, of course, then you've got the Super Famicom that came out. You know, so that was kind of a big thing. And then with Nintendo Power sort of speculating, you know, what's the what's the future going to look like? And, you know, this is the point where, you know, I started to shift a little bit from the NES to move away from it and just kind of, you know, look look towards what the Super NES is going to bring. So it's kind of interesting, though, to think that, like, at least in Japan, like um, Super Mario Brothers 3 was released. And then it's like not too much later in the year then super mario world was released so it's like they got two big mario games within you know the same year and it would be much later for us but right um then in december on pc you've got commander keen uh, which i played that uh, that was very famous um you know as far as apogee with their shareware at the time you know where you'd have you know you might get the first episode or a few levels for free on a three and a half inch disc and then you can pay it for the rest of it you know obviously wolfenstein was a big thing um, with shareware as well um and just some other stuff too um got uh, uh g-lock in the arcades that sega released which was the um like the giant 360 degree rotating cabinet if you remember any of that stuff like so it was kind of like afterburner but like you sat down and saying and it like moved around and everything was kind of neat 
Um, but on top of that, on the hardware side, one of the more important things um, that you'd see for the NES, at least this year, 1990, was the Game Genie. And that was, a, that was a big thing. And then especially if you look at a lot of the lawsuits and stuff that Nintendo was trying to do to kind of block it. I mean, that was, to me, like, the Game Genie was like, oh, man, I got I to gotta have this and, like, you know, try all these different things. I think we could rent it. If I remember right, I think there was a store that rented it. Um, so that was kind of neat to kind of sort of disrupt a lot of the, the games and find different ways to play them. And then you've got, of course, Turbo Express came out with the Super Famicom. Uh, the Neo Geo released in 1990 as well. So um, Game Gear releases in Japan in October. And then, of course, November, um, you've got the Mega Drive and the Genesis. So um, so you're starting to see, you know, everybody's kind of getting a piece of the video game pie at this point. And there's a lot of competition. But there's also, I mean, for a lot of us that lived and breathed video games at the time, it was just there was a future of so many different possibilities of, you know, what games are going to be like, you know, what are they going to look like, what are they going to sound like. And, uh, yeah, I mean, this is the point where you start to see that there's kind of something for everybody. Yeah. So that's that's what's kind of cool about it. So. And you're right about that last point, you know, that this is where, kind of like I was saying with the game library for the NES, you know, having so many titles, you started to see diversity among NES owners. But even beyond that, like, this is where you started to see the break of, you might go to a friend's house and it's like, Oh, they don't have an NES. They have a Sega, you know, Genesis, yeah, right? Or you know, the, just d- different systems that people were into. You know, you everybody had that one friend who had the Turbo Graphics, or you know, you you just started to see a little bit more variety. You mm-hmm. also started to see some really f- strong like opinions getting formed because like I can strongly remember certain friends being like, "No, Genesis is so much better," and like it was. Right. Like the console wars was already kind of of the console. The first battles of the console wars would be fought in 1990. Yeah, and and not even like just within the home consoles, but as you were mentioning, all these big arcade games that were coming out. Oh yeah, this is you also started to get people that were like, no, like I don't want to play home systems. I want to be in the arcade, you know, or right. vice yeah. versa. And it's just which is better, arcade or home? Which is better, mm-hmm. NES or Genesis? Which is better, Game Gear, Game Boy? Like all this stuff was starting to develop at this point. And, you know, PC, you know, being a big contender in there, obviously, like it's, it started to diversify, but also split. And yeah, yeah, it's like, I can remember, you know, like one of, one of our friends in the neighborhood, um, I can remember, like, we would go to his house and like, you know, it's like his mom would be playing like Dr. Mario or Tetris or something. It's like, you know, we'd have to wait for her to finish playing before we could, you know, actually play NES, you know, it's like, but people that weren't really into gaming or whatever at the time, but, you know, might be intrigued by a puzzle game or something like that. You know, like that's what I feel like I, I can remember like Dr. Mario and Tetris being like two big sort of gateway games, you know, for, for people that didn't really get into them too much. Yeah, definitely. So, all righty. Well, we've got a couple of underrated games that we decided we wanted to spotlight. So let's take a break from the nostalgia talk and uh, dip into those. Shall we? Sure. Okay. Um, I went first last week, so Wes, you get to uh, take this on first. Okay. So uh, my underappreciated game for 1990 is, uh, um, it's kind of funny because um, it's a game that I'm sure a lot of people probably played and probably, you know, sort of snickered at or made fun of, um, you know, and, and maybe for good reason. But at the same time, I think it's a pretty decent game. So uh, my pick for underappreciated game is Yo Noid. Um, of all games um (laughs) reason why though really is because it wasn't until more recently um doing a little bit of research on for this game and stuff like that that there's more to yo noid than i really knew of um obviously you know the the noid was a big domino's pizza mascot for a short amount of time in the late 80s so i was gonna say do we do we have any listeners who don't know who the noid is i'm sure there's a few but I mean, I'm, I know we have listeners that probably know who the Noid is, but I feel like in a way he's sort of been lost to history the same way the California Raisins have, you know, or at least dumped in the same bin, maybe. Right. Uh, you know, but the worst part is, I mean, okay, if you look at in this year, you got ter- teen- Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 2 came out with a coupon in the back of the manual for a free personal pan pizza. And then you get Yo Noid, and if you look at the, the front of the box art, there's a dollar off coupon. 
for a Domino's pizza in there. So yep. they're not even giving you a free pizza. You're getting a buck. Off. I mean, that's not even worth the gas money. No. Even <laughs> I, that, I checked even my copy and it expired in 92. Gas, but still, you know. Yeah. But no, anyway, um, I think it's I think Yonoid's a, a fun game. I think there's more to it than uh, what people might think because it's basically it's an action platformer, um, but it's really kind of difficult because um, it's like a one hit kind of game. Like you get hit once and you die and start back at the beginning of the level. But I feel like in a way, Yonoid sort of feels a lot like in uh, platformers of that kind of aspect because it. It relies on memorization. It relies on, um, you know, some quick hand-eye coordination. But it's also, it's a game that kind of does things differently, for better or worse. Like, for the fact that after you finish every level, um, you don't necessarily fight a boss, but you have um, what in this game is called a pizza-eating contest. So, (laughs) yeah, it's ridiculous. But it um, what it amounts to is it's basically a card game. And you try to... Um, you know, you try to to top the other the CPU character's card. You know, by uh, you know, if he picks a you know a two, like oh he's eating two pizzas, you want to try to eat three, and you want to fill your meter up first before he does. Um, yeah, the the, the, dif- is- the difference between what he picks and you pick is how many points that particular noid yeah. gets, yeah. and you've got a certain number right. you get to before he does. But yeah. there is at least a little bit of strategy to it, like. In, well, in there is too. level yeah, one, he's because, got some fours. Your highest is a three. So, okay, if he gets a four, then throw away one of your ones or something. But Right. Yeah, there's some strategy there. But then there's also, um, throughout the, the side-scrolling levels, there's hidden items, like um, just like hitting the air in certain spots and stuff. You'll get like uh, like multiplier cards. So then um, you might play a, a, a you know times two which means you play like a three and all of a sudden it's like a six, you know, a six versus one. So then you win by five and whatever. Um, so yeah, it's just, it's super bizarre. But anyway, um, what I was getting to was um, what I discovered more about from this game was um, it was actually from a game center CX episode, but in Japan, um, this game, Yonoid was actually a localized like reskin of a Japanese game that uh, Capcom had put out called uh, Kamen no Ninja Hamar- uh, Hanamaru, which is uh, Mass Ninja Hanamaru. And in that game, it plays the same, but the graphics are completely different. The gameplay is, is uh, the story is different because you have, you play as this Mass Ninja uh, with this bird. And in Yonoid, you know, you, you shoot this yo-yo out. But in the Japanese version, you have a bird that you send out to attack everybody. Um, so it plays kind of similar, but it's graphics and music are almost completely different, which... To me, that kind of blew my mind that uh, this is the first time that looking back, that I can remember, remember that there was a game like this that, you know, you could take a game that was released in Japan and change the graphics and change the music and just release it as something totally different. And uh, that's what was kind of interesting to me about this. And not only that, um, the engine for this game, at least in the Japanese version, the engine was based on previous game called Wangan Land that Namco had made. So it's like Yonoid is really sort of like an amalgamation of like two other games just kind of put together, which is so weird to me. But um, I don't know. I think it's I think it's a fun game because it's so out there and bizarre, but it's also incredibly difficult. And it's one of those games that uh, at least for me, like I like difficult games like that where I want to learn it and conquer it and then i get like a sense of accomplishment from it so but i don't know i guess what i'm trying to say is for a a mascot game this could have been complete and utter garbage but i i don't think it is i think it's actually a challenging and decent uh, action platformer well and it's just so weird to think that they would have taken a japanese game yeah reskinned it redeveloped it for the u.s audience but to do that and make it a domino's pizza game like i mean they did that obviously with Doki Doki Panic to make it into a Mario game, something they knew would sell. But it just mm-hmm. seems so odd. Like it, I'm so used to the mascot and the um, you know advertisement games being just these throwaway things that a lot of times were free with what you yeah. got. You know what I'm thinking? Like the Chase the Chuck Wagon Atari game or things like that, where it's like just total garbage. You know, well, but it, it was 
like in the last, you know, the previous generation with the Xbox 360, if you remember the Burger King games, you know, you had Sneak King and Pocket Bike Racer and uh, I don't know, whatever the other junk was. But there was uh, one for PC that reskinned um, Doom and Wolfenstein and all of that. And it was, you, you were a piece of Chex Mix cereal. Um, I don't remember it, that one. Yeah, it came with Chex. Like you got okay cd rom with it but yeah you were a piece of cereal running around and doom yeah. basically um i remember the speaking of, of reskins like that i did have um oh what's the name of it now uh super 3d noah's ark on the super nes have you ever seen that one nope it's uh so it was made by um i don't remember the company now but it was it kind of similar to like the bible game and stuff oh like that. wait yeah it's a first person shooter yeah it's yeah. it's basically what they did is they took wolfenstein and just um it made it into this game where you shoot crosses at, at sheep and things like that. It's the most bizarre thing ever. Yeah. Um, I had a copy till um, I sold it last year because it was actually going for a decent amount of money. But the funny thing about that game was, and all of the, all the Bible games were like this, they were all unlicensed games. So um, like for the super 3d Noah's Ark, it only worked Kind of like the Sonic and Knuckles cartridge on the Genesis, it only worked if you plugged in another game on top of it, which was just always funny to me. It's like you have this, you know, this this Christian company that's making these religious games, but yet they're kind of getting around the licensing because they don't want to pay the money to license the game, and so they're kind of going that way to make more money. And it just always seemed kind of strange. Yeah, you know. But I don't so know. yeah, Yo Yonoid is one that I know I rented once. Uh, probably not more than once um, because I, I remember the instruction booklet actually coming with the game I rented. Because um, like and, you said, nobody nobody wanted it. Yeah, probably. It's the one that nobody wanted to steal. Um, even the think, coupon. Another good point, though, too. It's like, um, you know, you always wanted to be the first one to rent a game and try to, you know, try to sneak away with the instruction manual and hope that they didn't notice when you brought the game back. Yeah. You know? Yeah, I think that in this case, even the coupon was still in there because nobody wanted the Domino's coupon either. Well, no, Domino's was terrible in the 80s. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, I, I remember playing this. I don't remember anything about it, so it obviously wasn't memorable or didn't stick with me. I mean, come um, on, you got pizza eating contests. You got, uh, instead of a pogo stick, uh, you got to jump around on this like... Pizza crusher. There, yeah, it's a pizza crusher, which apparently that's what Domino's was using on their pizzas back in the 80s. Um, no, that's that's what the Noid was doing because he was the manifestation of your pizza not getting delivered in thirty minutes or less. This is oh, that's right. So, he, he so was, they invented the straw man to to um, blame somebody else for all their problems. Yeah, he so he was the embodiment of all the things that could happen to the pizza that would make it not get there in thirty minutes. So he had the pizza crusher. He had the. Um, God, I can't even remember all the stuff he did in the commercials. But yeah, each one he was trying to slow the pizza down so it didn't get to you. And the idea was that no, our drivers are so good they'll still get it to you. And until they started having accidents, and then they had to really pull away this mascot and this whole marketing campaign because it was insanely unsafe. But <laughs> I think uh, I think the time is right. Actually, you could you could bring back the Noid, um, especially with like I don't know if you have like DoorDash or order to eat in your area. But um, I think, you know, because usually like we've ordered from them a couple of times and like DoorDash is like, they're like super fast and they like text you like, oh, you know, your driver's so-and-so is on the way or whatever. But I think it would be funny if it probably wouldn't cost too much to, to borrow the license for the Noid and just, yeah. you know, have him kind of get in the way or something. It'd bring back an internet campaign. But uh, oddly enough, though, uh, speaking of, Yo Noid, um, in August of 17, 2017, um, developed as part of a uh, New Jam City 2017 game jam, uh, somebody released a freeware game called Yo Noid 2 Enter the Void. Uh, <laughs> so if you, uh, you want to play a, uh, an official sequel to Yo Noid, um, it's out there. So. I don't. I do. I haven't played it yet. <laughs> no, so... No, um, the the one thing I was going to bring up with regard to this game too was I remember when I was a kid playing Avoid the Noid for DOS. Oh which, yeah, I think you showed me a screenshot of that. That looked yeah. Cool. So that one actually, my grandma of all people owned. Um, she had this she had this really old DOS black and white computer 
and somehow she got like three or four games on a single diskette and that was oh, one of them and, <laughs> um i used to play it at her house when i was bored and there was nothing to do i'd go right. into the computer room and play avoid the noid and that game was actually pretty fun really um, the okay. concept was you are the pizza delivery man who looks like bob from bob's burgers and <laughs> it was you're trying to there's like 15 floors of this building and you've got a you know elevator action style climb all the stairs and get to the top mm-hmm. but like noids are coming at you you know left yeah. and right so you've got to like somersault or you can do like this jumping flip um you i think you can like go in and out of doors to kind of avoid things that are coming by but like they'll pop out of a door on one side and like shoot a missile or there's like traps that they set for you and sell or uh, pay phones that ring and when you answer it like you'll blow up or sometimes you'll answer it and you'll get money like it's it's the craziest game and it's really hard but it's actually pretty fun too so okay. if you if you're bored and want to go find a you know dos box emulator and play avoid the noid for dos it will give you about five ten minutes of really solid fun you know what i wonder if um is, have you ever been on um, archive.org you can play a ton of old dos games just strictly in their um on their uh, website have you ever done that uh, i haven't been on it since they offered all of that no there's a ton of stuff on there and some of it actually works really well but uh, let's see if it's uh, avoid the noid yep uh software library ms dos game so yeah so you could totally play avoid the noid um on archive.org today if you wanted to phenomenal yeah so uh yeah it's uh your internet uh trivia for the night right there (laughs) maybe i'll put the link in the show notes yeah do it (laughs) all right so any other yo noidy talk you want to i mean you know it's a game that it it's super cheap you know you can get a copy um these these days under 10 bucks which is rare for any game i guess anymore any retro game but uh you know it's not one that's ever been re-released on virtual consoles or anything like that obviously but uh you know, I don't know. I think it's a fun platformer, and it's one that you know, if you like those style of games, uh, if you like a challenge, it's it's better than you'd think it would be. And uh, you know, if you really want to dig into the the history of it or play like an alternate version, um, check out the the Famicom one, the Mass Ninja Hanamaru. That's pretty cool too. So yeah, so I'll give this game a recommend for a couple very simple reasons. Um, it's not a great game, and I'm not going to pretend like it is, but it is made by Capcom, so it's at least a solid, you know, experience. I think mm-hmm. that the, yeah. it's it's not perfect. There's a lot of things that I felt were pretty wonky with the the controls, but it, it's good enough. So you know that yeah, you're not going to hold garbage. You know, it's I, that's the best way I can describe it. Is uh, it's it's a very much you know, it's not a fifty dollar quality game. It's a ten dollar quality game. Right. Um, and the other reason that I will recommend this is if you are one of those listeners like us who grew up in the late eighties, early nineties, the nostalgia for just the concept of what this is, is priceless. Mm. I mean, to try to explain the Noid to anybody who's under the age of 30, they'll look at you like you're insane. And they'll look at us like that anyway, but who cares? <laughs> But, you know, this th- this whole show that we do is all about nostalgia. And there's no way that you grew up in this era and don't have, you know, memories of Domino's pizza commercials and just what a weird, quirky thing that this was that could only have existed in that time period. So mm-hmm. just for the nostalgia's sake and for the fact that, yes, Capcom released an NES game all about being the Noid, having pizza eating contests, giving <laughs> you a Domino's coupon at the back of the instruction book. Like it, you have to appreciate it just for the fact that it exists. So yeah, exactly, exactly. And it's, I mean, I, I feel like as far as a, a tie in mascot game, you know, it could have been a hell of a lot worse, but you know, it's, I don't think it's too bad. So sure. I enjoyed it. So. All right, so I'll jump into mine, and admittedly, mine's going to be a much shorter discussion. Um, This is a game that I rented at least a few different times when I was a kid, and I thought it was one of the most fun things ever. And when I went through the list of 1990 NES games, I knew that this 
well, actually, I, I had it down between this and one other as far as the game that I was going to cover. Mm-hmm. And ultimately figured, you know, fewer people have heard of this, so I'm going to go for it and um, maybe open some people's eyes to it. Uh, and in retrospect, I don't regret the decision, but I realize there's really not a whole lot to discuss here. Mm-hmm. So going to be a short discussion, but I went with uh, Ninja Crusaders by mm-hmm. Sammy. Mm-hmm. So is this one that you were aware of at all? I knew of it. Um, I, I got it mixed up with... Um... Ninja Warriors, but that was um, that was Super NES, so that was a little bit later. Yeah. Uh, but I remember seeing the box for this one, but I don't think I ever played it. Okay. So I, I can sell this to you in just a couple quick sentences. Um, as far as gameplay, it's it, it, again, it, it feels like you know, like a, a knockoff third-party game, which it is. Um, but the best thing I can compare it to is you know, obviously think Ninja Gaiden. Mm. Um, the things that make this inferior to Ninja Gaiden, it's one hit death, which is brutal because the enemies are just as relentless and the timing is just as bad as it is in Ninja Gaiden. So, you know, trying to get through some of those later Ninja Gaiden stages with one hit death, you can imagine how frustrating this game can be. Oh, I'm sure, yeah. Um, but what makes this game so much fun is... So, so take Ninja Gaiden and add three things to it. One, two-player mode. Okay. Two, there are four different weapons that you can get. You start with shurikens, but you can also pick up a sword, a bow staff, or a chain sickle. And okay. any one of them is unlimited use. So, like, it's not like Ninja Gaiden where you have you know temporary throwing stars or only so many points. Like, if that's the weapon you have selected or equipped, then you have all you want. Um, but just being able to like, as you're going through the stage, it's like, Oh, now I'm going to pick up the chain sickle and, you know, fight Castlevania style basically, Mm -hmm. or the sword or the bow, which is very short range, but incredibly powerful. Uh, it's, it's just fun to be able to pick different weapons and go through stages with different options. Um, number three is there's a special feature in the game where if you hold down the attack button, your ninja actually transforms into a giant animal. Yeah. And it's it's a different animal depending on which of the four weapons you're carrying. So if you have the shurikens, which are obviously long range but are very weak, you actually get to turn into a tiger, which is really fast and can bite and attack and jump really far. Um, if you have the bow staff, you turn into a bird, which basically can just fly through the whole stage, but I don't think can attack. If you have the sword, you can turn into a dragon who breathes fire and can fly, but it's a short, you know, limited time thing. Um, but my favorite is if you have the chain sickle, you can turn into this giant scorpion who has this retractable, you know, harpoon tail. Um, but also when you go in water, you can swim like, you know, frog suit Mario. Okay. Um, so, I mean, as a kid playing this, this was just like one of the coolest things ever to be like, you get different weapons, your ninjas, you're turning into big animals. And it's just as a you know, huge fan of Ninja Gaiden, like this just took all of that and amped it up to this nerdy 11. And, sure. you know, I, as an, as an adult you were a kid that like drew ninjas on your notebook in school and then you drew tigers and the next page and you kind of combine those two and made a game out of it. Yeah, pretty much. You know? Okay. Yeah. Okay. And, you know, as an adult going back and, you know, realizing that, okay, this game is definitely inferior in terms of the controls, the, the overall story. Uh, I think I showed you a, or sent you a screenshot of the, you know, ending credits screen. Yeah. And it's just like yeah. one single screen of text. That's like the world is safe now for ninjas, for now or something's really stupid and right. then that's yeah, the same thing as like friday the 13th and stuff like that. i mean at least it didn't say congratulations you know? <laughs> could be a lot worse but you know it's like compared to ninja gaiden which has an amazing cinematic story this just has sure. absolutely nothing um the controls are not as good it's much more challenging it's if you're looking for a good solid game experience it's not there um, right but if you're just wanting to be an eight-year-old kid again playing a game about ninjas who get to turn into animals. God, it's fun. <laughs> yeah. yeah. 
Yeah, it's it's interesting. Just looking at American Sammy um, only published a handful of games on the NES, but uh, uh, just looking at their list, it, it's nothing like spectacular, really. Like you said, Arkista's Ring, uh, Amagons on here, Michael Andretti's World GP, um, Ninja Crusaders, Silkworm, Thundercade, Twin Cobra. Um, just a couple odds and ends. Um, there's one that they did called uh, Vice Project Doom that um, would later come out uh, next year in 90. And that one's pretty good, too. Uh, that one's kind of like a mixture of uh, Ninja Gaiden and like Spy Hunter mixed together. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's kind of interesting, like, you know, and looking at their box art, like it's it's decent, but it's not like doesn't like fly off the shelves, really. But I don't know. I, I would say probably like C tier, maybe uh, like rental quality games or something. But oh, definitely. Yeah. And I mean, they would go on like American Sammy would go on to become Sammy, who then merged with Sega and became Sega Sammy. And then later on would develop like the Atomus Wave system and some other stuff like that. So, I mean, this is probably very early on for them, kind of just getting their feet wet with with development. But uh, when it's also it it goes hand in hand with our discussion of the Arkista's Ring when we talked about that. I mean, these are almost exact same stories. I rented both of these games from the same video store. Uh, You know, both are Sammy games. Both are ones that I had a ton of fun with playing them as an adult. You realize, yeah, yeah, there's a lot of flaws here. I wouldn't go out and spend money on this, but to, you know, play it again or rent it, like, it's a a good time. Um, And it's, it's right, you know, right perfect for a kid who's, you know, really into ninjas or really into medieval fantasy or whatever, like all those little nerdy things that all those kids sure. were into, it, it worked perfect for what it was at the time. Um, so yeah, very, very, sim- very similar story. Uh, Napoleon Dynamite's, uh, you know, the, uh, the Liger. Yeah. <laughs> well, and, and it, so it brought me to one last little talking point that I wanted to bring up here. And that is that, you know, I I think if we want to look at what 1990 was, I think that, you know, the two games that we chose have been a perfect time capsule for what this year was all about and what the next four or five years, you know, were going to be, you know, as in terms of defining the early 90s for kids. And that is shitty pizza and ninjas fighting robots. Pretty much. <laughs> that's, that's the majority of like, the NES era right there, you know, shitty pizza and ninjas. I don't know. Yeah. Well, Nin- I mean, ninjas with some combination of either aliens or uh-huh. robots, or yeah. in, in this case, you got both. Ninja so, robot aliens are trying to steal your pizza, dude. Oh. You to save the president. Like you could just mix all that stuff together and make, you know, one trope filled game. That would be awesome. I mean, teenage mutant Ninja turtles kind of covered three of the four. <laughs> so. Pretty much, yeah. I mean, you know, that. Yeah, so I mean, and I, as I was looking through the 1990 list, just seeing like how many ninja games were everywhere, and you know, it, oh, yeah. it, it's only going to keep going. And it's just like, you know, that it just makes me smile because, goddamn it, ninjas are cool. <laughs> well, that's the thing. I mean, even look at look at the sheer amount of ninja in in movies and pop culture and stuff. I mean, it was you know, it was this huge explosion of. Uh, you know, this, this cool looking badass character that really, you know, had nothing to do with probably the historical version, but it was still like, you know, for kid growing up, it was like, man, ninjas are awesome. You know, it's just kind of funny, but especially like if you ever watch like Crontendo or any of those, like, you know, like every time a ninja game is like, oh, here's another ninja game, you know, or here's a robot ninja game, you know, so just, yeah. Uh, it was ninjas were cool and uh you know you couldn't really show a lot of people killing each other so you just make them into robots so you know just ninja robots if graveyard duck ever dies i'm just gonna do the ninja cast i think oh there you go gotta happen yeah uh but anyway um we're uh gonna move on now from this and start talking 1991 uh probably lots more ninjas and some more pizza coming our way but uh first we're gonna talk some um graveyard duck challenge and i i guess there's a possibility for ninjas and or pizza in this challenge oh yeah i mean uh, it's the limit because uh this one's going to be all based on your own creativity <laughs> yeah so wes go ahead and tell them because um, i'm sure they're dying to know how ninjas and pizza are going to be related to 
next week's challenge. So go ahead and let them know. Well, uh, this one's completely out of left field, but I'm, I think we're, we're both excited to, to do this one. Um, cause we're trying to think of something to play, you know, challenge wise that maybe is a little bit different from our normal shoot 'em ups, puzzle games, action games, whatever. Um, so this week we picked a game that probably not a lot of people have or have played, but, um, it, could probably find access to it pretty easily um, if you know where to look. So um, we're going to be uh, channeling your inner artist next week, and we're going to be playing Videomation uh, <laughs> the NES. So uh, this is your chance to be the artist that you've always wanted to be. Um, you've got drawing tools, you've got stamps, you've got an animation feature, um, you've got all kinds of colors and shapes available, and you can even save your creations with your VCR. So um yeah so uh videomation is not a game it's a drawing and animation system for the nes so what we're gonna do is we're gonna have a little contest to see who can come up with the best uh videomation whether it be a, a picture or you know a video or animated thing or something uh, let's just see what uh what kind of creativity we can come up with with uh using the uh, nes and yeah. uh you know, just send your screenshots in. Um, you can post them on Facebook, on our Facebook group, um, hashtag GraveyardDuckChallenge, or, you know, you can post them to Instagram or wherever. Um, or, you know, extra points if you really want to be creative and uh, save your creations uh, with your VCR and mail us a VHS tape, uh, you get extra points for that. So I will happily give you an address that you can send a VHS tape to if you actually I, go that way. I think I still have some VHS tapes around too, so I could probably... I might have to tape over probably part of National Lampoon's European vacation, but I could probably make it work. <laughs> Don't forget to tape over the little tab. Oh yeah, of course. Yeah. yeah. So, um, uh, and yeah. I'll, I'll also say too, we're definitely going to give extra credit if you make a um, graveyard duck themed picture. You know, either a new logo for us or something that we can use. I'll, I'll whore us out a little bit. I'll, I'll I'll say we'll we'll give extra points for that. There you go. Yeah. Yeah, so uh, yeah, let's just let's just see what we can come up with, and uh, you know, kind of go from there. So uh, I'm sure it's going to be uh, an awful, awfully cumbersome program to use and come up with uh, some different stuff, but that's going to be part of the fun. So yeah, uh, so yeah, videomation. Um, just post your photos, your screenshots on our Facebook group or Instagram, or send us a VHS tape, and uh, we'll run this for about a week, and uh, yeah, see what we can come up with. Yeah, I'm excited for this one. <laughs> yeah, you know, we were we were looking through this list and trying to pick something out. And you said you jokingly mentioned videomation, and then I got to think about it like, you know what? That's perfect. Let's do this. Yeah. I mean, it's totally out of left field. It's totally different, but let's see what happens. So, all right. So look forward to that for next week. Start getting your uh, creative juices flowing and send us your best work. And um, yeah, looking forward to it. And start thinking about what we're going to be doing in two weeks for. Covering 1991, uh, think about your underrated favorites. Send us some feedback. Let us know what you think mm -hmm. and what games uh, you don't feel like get enough love. So, uh, Wes, if if they did have a game or two that they think you know just too under underrated, underappreciated, how would they tell us about those? Sure. As I uh, already mentioned, if you're on Facebook, we've got our Graveyard Duck Facebook group there, so we've got a lot of good conversation going on there. Um, you can find us on Instagram, um, Graveyard Duck Podcast. Um, we have Twitter, but we don't use it very much. But um, you can get us there at Duck Graveyard, or you can send us an email at graveyardduckpodcast at gmail.com. So, um, yeah, send us some feedback. We always love hearing from you guys and, um, you know, your thoughts and uh, nostalgia as well. And, you know, if you, if you like the show, if you like uh, what we're doing, by all means, please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or you know, your, whatever your, your podcast player is. And, uh, you know, just, just give us a review and that helps us kind of move up in the rankings and, and do more shows and reach out to more people. So, um, you know, there's, there's a lot of competition within retro game podcasts. Obviously uh, we're not trying to compete with anybody, but we do enjoy the show and, you know, we'd like to pick up new listeners. So um, please leave us a review, you know, recommend us to your friends and uh, yeah. We just we enjoy talking about games, and uh, we hope you enjoy listening to the show. Absolutely. So, um, I don't know. I think I might need to go put on my live action Ninja Turtles DVD and order some pizza and 
I don't know, maybe veg out to some family matters later on or something, but I'm, I'm feeling very nostalgic right now. There you go. I think I'm going to channel my inner Bob Ross and uh, fire up some videomation. <laughs> All right. Well, I can't wait. So uh, until looking forward to some, seeing some of your best creative work. And uh, until then, I'm Scott. And I'm Wes. And just remember that uh, extra credit will be given if you uh, send your VHS tapes. Game over.